And hello, this is the recording for the tip show on uh, June 15th, already in progress. Uh, you have missed a hell of a warm-up so far. So, as I was saying before I hit the record button, I know that I could never fuck a toucan. All right? I know this about myself. I may not know everything, but I know this. I was watching Tuca and Birdie, the cartoon show, with the with the anthropomorphized toucan. And I like the voice actor who uh, who plays... Yeah, Toucan the Animal, who plays the toucan. I like her. I think she's funny. And uh, she does good voice work on the show. And I find... Th- this may be very weird to you. I find an attractive voice attractive. Uh, I know. I know. Calm yourself. And so I 100%... Uh, was just like, hmm, yeah, Ali Wong is a toucan, uh, as an anthropomorphized toucan. And then here's the other thing. I've been playing a game called Stellaris, and on Stellaris, uh, you, you meet all kinds of, yeah, Ali Wong plays a, a toucan, uh, on Toucan Birdie. Uh, I've played a game called Stellaris, and Stellaris is a space game, and you meet, you know, bird people, you meet, you meet mushroom people, you meet all kinds of space people, all kinds of different peoples in the universe, in your space. And so there's bird people out there. And uh, so I was already kind of in the mindset of like, yeah, I'd, f- I'd fuck that race or I wouldn't fuck that race, right? Like, I'm not, I, that's, I didn't base my diplomacy upon that. But like, when, when the comms window on first contact pops up, like, you know, fuckable or not, I was kind of William Shatnering a little bit. I was kind of James T. Kirking a little bit where, hello, from the United States Federation, it's nice to meet you. And just in case you were wondering, yes, I would. I would 100%, just in case it's an offer, also greeting from my planet, and if you're, if the offer's open, yes, I would. Uh, so, you know, playing Stellaris, playing an intergalactic game of fuck, marry, kill, essentially. And so, I was watching, uh, <laughs> that was so fucking funny, there's not a Stellaris player here, or else you'd be laughing very hard. That was Stellaris' intergalactic game of fuck, marry, kill. Remember that recording? Remember. All right. So I uh, was watching the Tuca and Birdie, giving it a shot, and I thought, so I look up a toucan, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen a toucan skeleton, but that's what popped up when I searched for toucans. I searched for toucan, and a toucan skeleton popped up. And if you haven't, if you haven't seen a toucan skeleton, which I never had before this week, the, the head size in relation to the beak is not just a little bit unsettling. It'll fuck your entire hour up, babies. It's not like, oh, the head's a little small compared to the beak. It's literally like a 25 to 1 ratio of beak to head. The beak is, is, literally larger than the rest of the toucan's body and it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying to look at <laughs> and so the idea of trying to fuck even ali wong even ali wong being personable and affable and and uh looks like she's susceptible to domestic abuse which is my kink uh I, even then i just i don't think i'd be able to do it I just, I don't think it would happen. Uh, 
Boy, I welcomed all the new girls out and said how nice I'm trying to be, and then two dark jokes, and then talking about fucking toucans right at the top of the show. I don't know what I'm doing. I hope I'm killing it. All right, so that is the that is the introduction. Like I said, things got a little bit wild before we hit the record button today. We've 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 been going full steam ahead for about 30 45 minutes. So, thank you to everybody who came out. I hope everybody's excited for a show. We have lots of smut. We have some lovely poetry. But first, you know that we would like to begin with a little thing called quick quotes. Quick quotes. A quick quotes. If you put it in quotes, I'll say it. It's quick quotes. <clears throat> okay. Quick quotes. This is where I say what you want me to say. You've always wanted me to say something, at least one thing. This is where you get me to say it. You come out to a live show. It's absolutely free. I just go ahead and say it. Here we go. Ready? <clears throat> Oh, you are always such a good girl for daddy, aren't you? You are enough of a saint. You are enough to drive a saint to madness or a king to his knees. Eyes on me. I want to see you come. Lay your head on my chest, little one. Let me wrap my arms around you. I want to taste you on my lips. I want you to taste yourself on my lips so that you know how delicious you really are. You are such a good girl for me, Sierra. The thicker the thighs, the bigger the prize. Give us the cheese, and we won't eat your feet. I'm going to open your legs and eat you like an Oreo. It's okay, baby. I'm right here. Don't be afraid. I've got you. It won't be my fault if we get caught, little girl. Thick thighs save lives. I'm so proud of you, baby girl. Come here, kitten. Time for a nap. Will you come on my tongue, sweetheart? Come here and kiss me, baby girl. Have a good day at work, Rosie. Seven, four, eight, five, 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 quote, little quote, backslash, 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 backslash. Backslash, backslash. I will grab you by your throat and I will push into you. 
you will do well this week. I know it. So, are you going to undress me, or... How about you sit on my face first? Down on your knees, little girl, or Daddy's going to punish you. Daddy wants to come on you. Do it. Do it now. Lesson number one. You might be the boss in the office, but in the bedroom, now and in the future, I am your boss. Clear? Cats. Cats are nice. All right, guys, we're finishing up. If anybody is out new tonight and want me to say something for them, go ahead and put it right on in the quotation marks. This is especially for new girls and girls who have not said anything tonight because they've been too shy. If you have said a request tonight, please go ahead and leave it for another show. Closing up the quick quotes because we have plenty to read today. I'm excited. You're excited. We want to get to it. So if you haven't said something tonight, if you are a new girl, it's your first time out, please, 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 this is especially time for you. Please don't be too shy. Please don't make me keep begging. You're le- my arm is literally up in the air for a high five, guys. And you're leaving my, you're leaving it hanging out. And it just, it doesn't feel very good to have my arm. Come on, guys. I know a couple of you want to go. Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on, new girls. I don't know how to be, I don't know how to be less intimidating than that. I put on a goofy voice and everything. Come on now. Come on. That's how I like to finish. New girls, new girls, new girls. I know there's something you want me to say. There's got to be something you want me to say. Come on. Come on. Don't make me. Don't make me keep begging. Don't make me keep begging. Wow. Oh. Oh, the pain. Humiliated. Left alone. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> Who's a good little kitten? Oh, you are. You're a good little kitten for daddy, aren't you? Okay. <clears throat> I'll stop until you're about to come. Daddy loves teasing you, doesn't he? Show me how much love you have. So, show me how much love you have. Okay, I'm so sorry, that's my dyslexia. <clears throat> Show me how much you love having someone so much bigger than you control your every move. There we go. You want me to beg? I'm not great at it. There's, there's been a couple of times in my life where someone's like, if you don't beg, you're going to be in more trouble. And I'm like, more trouble, sir. Garçon, pile it on. Like that's, if you think that has, if you think I haven't said to a judge in a, in a, in a court of law, oh yeah, under oath. If you don't think that that's true, that my name under oath and oh yeah, to a judge has not been said, you don't know me. So I'm not really a beggar. 
I'm not great at it. It took, it took decades to get me to this level of humility. It took decades to get me to this level of humility. I just want you to think about that for a second. Think about the level of humility you think I have now. And then think about how much less I had 10, 15 years ago. And then think about why people, especially my exes, were just fine when I didn't do caffeine. So, everybody laughing? Good. Okay, we've got a couple more and then we're finishing up. Thank you so much, all you new girls. I really do appreciate it. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Please, give me all of you, baby girl. I don't care how many times you squirm while I'm eating you out. If Daddy is not done, he is not done. Do you expect me to beg, little girl? Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. I guess people, I guess they just need some prodding. Here we are. Here's the last one for sure. And then we're getting on. <clears throat> Darling, you looked perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going on to poetry. I hope everybody had a good time with quick quotes. I love it, too. Let's get on with the show. <clears throat> Onion. Luminous flask, your beauty formed petal by petal. Crystal scales expand you, and in the secrecy of the dark earth, your belly grew round with dew. Under the earth, the miracle happened, and when your clumsy green stem appeared, and your leaves were born like swords in the garden, the earth heaped up her power, showing your naked transparency, and as the remote sea is lifting in the breasts of Aphrodite, duplicating the magnolia, so did the earth make you, onion, clear as a planet, and destined to shine, constant constellation, found rows of water upon the table of the poor. You make us cry without hurting us. I have praised everything that exists. But to me, Onion, you are more beautiful than a bird of dazzling feathers, heavenly globe, platinum goblet, unmoving dance of the snowy amenemy. And, and the fragrance of the earth lives in your crystalline nature. Ode to the Onion Pablo Neruda. I believe we might have done that one once before, but Pablo is a fan favorite. Give me one second, just slightly adjusting my mic here. Just trying to bring you in a little bit more optimally. Okay. <clears throat> Last night, as half asleep I dreaming lay, half naked came she in her little shift. With tilted glass and verses on her lips, Narcissus eyes all shining for the fray. Filled full of frolic to her wine-red lips, Warm as the dewy rose, Sudden she slips 
into my bed, just in her little shift. Said she, half naked, half asleep, half heard, with a soft sigh betwixt each lazy word, Oh, my lover, do you sleep or wake? An instant I sat upright for her sake. I drank whatever wine she poured for me, wine of the tavern, or vintage it might be, who refused wine poured out by such a girl, a double traitor, he to wine and love. Go to, thou Puritan, to gods above, ordained this wine for us, but not for thee, drunkards we are, by a divine decree. Yea, but the special privilege of heaven foredoomed to drink, and foreordained forgave. Ah, Hafitz, you are not the only man who promised penitence and broke down after, for who can keep so hard a promise, man, with wine and women brimming over with laughter? O knotted locks, fitted like a flower with scent, have you ravished this poor penitent? Ode 44 by Havitz, H-A-F-E-Z, Havitz, translated by Richard La Galais. Galais. <clears throat> I, uh, I have to say that I quite like that poem, especially compared to the other poems that you guys typically have me read. Uh, often when I'm, when, when I'm reading a poem from a man about a woman that he can't resist, it's about how he's burning up with desire, and he can't stop, and she's everything, and he'll do anything for her. And here's a nice one where she comes in all, you know, slutily dressed with wine, like, hey, hey. <laughs> W-U-D, W-Y-D, question mark, question mark, question mark. Hey. And I just want to say, for all you ladies out there who are like, why can't I get laid? I'm trying to guide this guy. I'm trying to work with him. Don't send a hey with three whys in a text message after midnight. Show up in a shift with a tanker to mead at his door. Knock, 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 motherfucker. You up? You up? Because you will be. Gulp this down, you're going to be up, literally and figuratively. I came for the dick. Not a lot of poetry like that, and uh, there needs to be more. <laughs> more poetry like that, I think we can get more men into poetry. All right, here we go. <clears throat> yeah, you can tell it's an old poem because a woman's using liquor to get a dick up. That's definitely old school. We have better methods now. <laughs> when you find your people, you'll still look over your shoulder sometimes to see if you're being followed. You're hoping one or two people you don't know will want to see where you're going. When you find your people, they won't ask you where you came from because they'll already know. And if they don't, they'll be busy putting good food on your plate and asking you if you're hungry or broke. 
When you find your people, they'll tell you to use any bathroom you want, marry any one you want, work side by side together for long hours in close quarters without any fear of being harmed. When you find your people, they'll throw the ball to you, offer you their love song, and say you need to listen to this track and dance with us, whether or not you know all the steps. When you find your people, they'll say, do you remember? And you'll say yes until you remember together the different ways the whole thing happened. And when you find your people, they'll say, yes, wear whatever you want. Wear the tightest dress. Wear the hot pants. Wear your birthday suit. They'll say, we love your skin and drag and natural hair. And we love you naturally so pleased. Just live, and don't let anyone kill you, or tell you that they've killed you, and you're just fine the dead way you are. When you find your people, don't leave them, and don't let them off the hook when they are in the wrong. When they are trying to take themselves out of the world, lay your hands on them, and call them yours, and yours, and yours. When you find your people, be sure you've been preparing your heart the entire way by loving your difficult self and what you pretend you don't know, but you do, so that when you do see them smiling in your eyes, the soft or tough flags of their hands covering yours in a truth so light and fierce, you see that you have all been mid-air for some time could go higher and burn some shit up if you remember what else is good everywhere and everywhere you look. <clears throat> Chosen Family by Rachel Eliza Griffiths Well, that was very lovely. And I'm going to say two things here. The first is, that spoke to me immensely. It was a lovely suggestion. It spoke to me immensely. Um, I've, been, I've been honest about having a very difficult childhood, about having a very difficult youth. And the, how the ladies of the night, how, especially when I was sick, especially a couple of years ago, especially 2017 in my mind, um, were just fantastic and very sweet and just donated a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of uh, well wishes to help get me back on my feet and to get me here. And there's there's moments of that piece where love is people doing for you without you asking and showing you concern and community. Uh, and that's exactly what the ladies of the night did for me at my lowest point. Uh, and it's been so welcoming and so encouraging. That's the first thing I just wanted to say. Uh, I, no matter who you are, no matter what you offer, thank you so much. That, that poem really did speak to me. The second thing I want to say is, let's get a lip for Tinks up. Let's get the link for Tiffs up. That's what I wanted to say, and I wanted to make a good switch. Oh, she was all ready for it. Oh, there it goes. Yes. Yes, I first I open up the heartstrings, and then I try and use them to open up the purse strings. Yes, heartstrings to purse strings. That's my stratagem. Ah, one, two, one, two. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'm a little embarrassed, so I'm going to go right on into the next poem. Okay. When you are up against a trouble, meet it squarely, face to face. Lift your chin and set your shoulders. Plant your feet and take a brace. When it's vain to try to dodge it, do the best that you can do. 
May you fail, but may you conquer. May you see it through. Black may be the clouds above you, and your future may seem grim. But don't let your nerve desert you. Keep yourself fighting trim. In the worst is bound to happen, spite of all that you can do. Running from it will not save you. See it through. Even hope may be futile when with troubles you're beset. But remember you are facing just what other men have met. You may fail, but fall still fighting. Don't give up whatever you do. Eyes front, head high to the finish. See it through. See It Through by Edgar Guest We have one final little piece of poetry. I should say, see it through. Don't get me wrong, person who requested this one. It looks lovely. But that would have been a lovely note to end it on, don't you think? So here we are. <clears throat> Last poem for the night. Hope everyone's had a good time so far. Have you ever loved a rose and watched her slowly bloom? And as her petals would unfold, you grew drunk on her perfume. Have you ever seen her dance, her leaves all wet with dew, and quivered with a new romance, the wind, he loved her too? Have you ever longed for her on nights that go on and on, for now her face is all a blur, like a memory kept too long? Have you ever loved a rose and bled against her thorns, and swear each night to let her go, and then love her more? By dawn. The Rose by Lang Lev, L E A V. Very, very nice. Very, very nice indeed. Very sweet poems to end it on. Love and hope slash encouragement. Uh, may it be the food of life. Uh, I'm having a very good time. I'm just going to do a quick little reset, quick little sip of my water. Hmm? Then end a poem. I was trying to think, I uh, like a story or something, uh, before I got started with this show, just like as a transition. This is me and Allie trying formalize things a little bit more and get everything, you know, just a little bit more productive, a little bit more equal. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like this would be a great like point in the in the in the shows for just a little bit, just a little bit of me. Uh, he said, stroking his own hair. But um, I don't have anything. I, I legitimately didn't do anything uh, this entire week besides chores and typical things. And so the only kind of interesting cat story I have is that I fell asleep on my wrong side. This is it. It's a quick story. It's a cat story. I fall asleep on my left side, and the cat comes in. And she does like a, I don't know how to say it, but like a patrol, like a, a like one circle around. And then she mews at me once, and then she gets on top of me and she falls asleep. That's, that's, that's our routine. I fell asleep on the wrong side, right? Fell asleep on the right side. And I woke up to the cat doing circles around me, getting to the point where she would normally hop on, but everything being wrong, and so her instead jumping over me. 
And so she got caught in like a fucking loop where she'd be like, okay, all right, I know how to do this. And she would like follow me around. She'd walk all around the bed from behind me, around the tips of my toes, back up to my face, back up to my shoulders, go, right? Just a little, right? Okay, this is what I do. And then I get on top, but then she couldn't get on top, so she jumped over me and tried again. And it woke me the fuck up. It woke me up going, okay, what was that? Like, Because you feel an impact of your cat jumping behind you. And then I watched her repeat the pattern. And I know there's absolutely no chance I woke up the first time she did that. So my question is, how long was she doing that? Now, I have to go back real quick, and I have to tell a story about my dad. My dad, long time ago, was playing the introductory uh, sequence of a game called The Secret of Mana. This is the introductory sequence before you get a sword for anyone who's played that video game, all one of you. And there's nothing else to do in this video game. This is the introductory sequence. There's nothing to do in this game besides find this sword. But I guess my dad couldn't find the turnoff path to find it. Because I remember watching him, drunk off his ass, going around in circles, getting more and more irate. Like, what do you do in this game? What do you do? I don't understand. And that's all I could think of with this cat. That's all I could think of. Like, I, like it woke me all the way up because of the, I was like, oh, my God. My, my dad, when drunk, was about the same level of emotional maturity as my cat. So that's, you know, that's why I'm problems connecting with people. Okay, that's it for the fun. And now on to the pool. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do segments. I don't know how to stretch anything out. Uh, so there we go. Uh, hope everyone's having a great time tonight, because I sure am. <laughs> Let's begin our first smutty tale. <clears throat> but not that one, because it begins with a dialogue tag. And I don't know who's saying it. So we're going to begin with this one. Let's begin with our first smutty tale, which is now this one. <clears throat> I began to suspect something a little odd was going on when my favorite panties were missing. <sighs> Some days, guys. Some days. <laughs> From the frying pan right into the fire. Okay. Loosey-goosey. Loosey-goosey. Here we go. <clears throat> I began to suspect something a little odd was going on when my favorite panties went missing. We have a poltergeist who likes my underwear. I said to myself, irritatedly rummaging through my scanties. With today's butt-hugging pale skirt, I needed both color and cut to avoid VPL. But I was unable to locate the beige lace and satin French knickers. Some days. Some days, kids. Shake it off. I spent too much time hunting down my AWOL panties, so I didn't have time to ask my partner Rick about it. Because he worked from home, he did most of the chores, such as cleaning and cooking, but laundry was down to me. I didn't trust him not to shrink things or have colors run disasters, so I washed, I dried, and sorted out laundry. Apparently, I couldn't trust him not to lose them either. Setting on some Bridget Jones-style... Granny panties 
as an unsexy but practical alternative, I slammed drawers shut, hurry off to work. Rick was a self-employed mechanic with his workshop adjacent to our house. He spent hours lying under people's vehicles or bent at the waist over engines. His workwear was jeans and a sweatshirt, boots and overalls. He was a fairly macho kind of guy who worked with his hands and watched rugby on weekends. However, he also had a soft side, which I love. He cooked delicious meals which we'd eat by candlelight, sipping wine and listening to music. On Friday nights, you'd find us snuggling up and watching rom-coms or classic black-and-white movies. He truly was the sweet and salty popcorn version of a man, rugged and capable combined with a loving, sensitive nature. He completed me. All right, author's note, quick pause. Enjoying it, very well written. Weird to talk about the panties and the poltergeist and then to get into this. I have no idea what's happening in the story, and if there's not a ghost stealing panties by the end of this, I'm going to be real mad. I'm going to be real irritated because this, I like false advertising, I definitely want a ghost stealing panties. That's what we started on. And now I suspect Rick. All right. <clears throat> When I got home from work that night, Rick was clean and fragrant in a hoodie and joggers. It'd been a bitterly cold day, and he needed a shower to warm up. I was sorry to have missed that, because sometimes I join him. We enjoy being all slippery and soapy together, my butt pressed to his groin. His sculpted body looks great adorned with crystal droplets of water. When he gropes and massages my breasts, my nipples tighten to points. I can back up hard against him, rubbing his length between the curved globes of my arse until we start fucking, doggy style, under drumming streams of hot water. I quickly divested myself of my work attire and hit the shower solo, luxuriating under its invigorating warmth. I entertain myself with blue movie memories of our sexy bathroom play running through my mind until I realized... I was throbbing with subdued excitement as I toweled myself dry. Selecting sexy, barely there underthings covering my loose loungewear, I joined Rick in the kitchen, hugging his broad chest and nibbling the sensitive spot near his ear affectionately. As we enjoyed a delicious meal that night, the urge to moan about my frustrations with missing underwear was on the tip of my tongue, but I didn't want to break the sexy mood he was building. Rick was giving me smoldering looks, causing the lace of my thong panties to dampen against my mound. Laundry-sorting irritation could wait to be untangled another day. Another week passed. This time I couldn't find dark green knickers, which matched the bra I had already fastened. It was so frustrating because I'd need to change... It's important to my body positivity for me underwear for my underwear to match, or at least coordinate. But I don't own any other green panties. I finally located a pair decorated with a green bow, which also worked with skin-tight trousers. They would have to do. But this misplaced laundry situation was really starting to grind my gears. It made me feel wrong-footed, as I'm someone who likes to be organized.
Those suede jeans look great, babe. Rick said admiringly, giving my rear end a slap once I was dressed. Thanks. I preened. Previously thought, previous thoughts of asking where the hell my knickers were evaporated with a tingling thrill. See you tonight. Oh, I'll be later than usual. I have a hairdresser's appointment around 6.30. As I turned out, it wasn't late. I got home at the usual time because my hairdresser counseled. Music was blaring loudly as I entered the house, which he knew I didn't appreciate. Shrugging off my coat, something gave me pause. The lounge door was open a few centimeters, as though this gap, I glimpsed bare limbs and a torso. Rick was lounging on the sofa with his legs apart and his head thrown back in bliss. I froze and held my breath, unsure of what I was seeing. My stomach dropped like I was upsailing down a building. He's having an affair, a nasty voice said in my head. I vacillated between horror and fury, but clenching my fists, I stepped up to the gap for a closer look. I have a morbid urge to see who my competition was. Adrenaline and anger flooded my chest in equal measures until I was able to confirm with a lurching feeling that there was no woman between his legs, just Rick, with my missing green panties in his fist, moving in a blur. The initial shock and surprise had me rooted on the spot, watching with a strange fascination. As my mind swirled with puzzlement, something else began to bubble deep inside me. I was surprised to register that seeing him like this was making me feel hot and flustered. He was strangely thrilling to watch my man pleasure himself with my panties. He had their dainty lace fabric gripped tightly around his hard cock. He pinched his own nipples with work-rough hands and bit his lip as he beat his meat, precum drooling over the purple, swollen dome of his cock. My pussy twitched while a slick of moisture gathered between my nether lips. I felt the urge to touch myself as I watched, but dared not move. Rick's neck muscles corded as his abdominals, abdominals began to tense. I knew the telltale signs. He was going to come soon. He continued to tug his nipples while a flush crossed his chest under his smattering of chest hair. Suddenly he began to spasm, his neck curled towards his chest while his hips buckled, thrusting through the taut fabric of my green panties. This seemed to add to the propulsion of the pearly jism that hit his abdomen. I felt sympathetic throbs in my pussy as he groaned out his ecstasy. As his climax ebbed, I snapped out of my trance. I need to pretend I hadn't seen this, to give myself time to process this new information and the maelstrom of feelings that came with it. I spun on my heel to grab my coat, shrugging it on as I, slept silent, as I slipped silently out of the door. I waited at time a distance down the road, looking at my phone screen without really seeing anything. While questions clamored in my head, did this mean Rick wears other types of ladies' clothes? Does he wear mine? Is he planning a sex change? I'm not sure how much time passed before I felt able to return, but I made a big noise unlocking the door for the second time, slamming it shut behind me.
I'm home, I called, shrugging out of my coat slowly for the first time. I hung my handbag on the banister before chucking car and house keys noisily in the dish. I wandered into the lounge, now deserted with the same music now playing softly. The water system groaned, indicating the shower was running. I sat where Rick had been so recently. The sofa cushion still felt warm, and I could detect a whiff of sex in the air. How did I feel about this? Confused? Surprised, definitely. Yet, I realized I felt no betrayal or lies. I needed more information in order to fully process, but decided to gather it by stealth. While Rick showered, I googled. I discovered this was a quite a common male fetish. Oh, my phone turned on one second. God damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. One second. <laughs> that activated my search function. What did I search for? I'm so sorry. One second, I gotta turn off my fucking phone. It's searching like crazy. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, ask men's top list of kinks. Alright, I searched for something dirty. Boy, I hope that's not the thing that gets me, like, sent to prison. Uh, like, like the cops are like, we see in his search hint, don't you see, Sarge, in his search history, right before the lady was killed, the panty killer, he searched for, he searched right there, he saw it right there, Saturday afternoon, same day as the third victim. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be on cereal and it's not gonna be a convincing story. All right, apologies. <clears throat> While Rick showered, I googled, now with the phone off, I discovered that this was quite a common male fetish. Apparently, many guys got a buzz from the illicit nature. Some even progressed to wearing women's clothing, underwear, all the time, under their normal clothes. There was an extensive discussion about which fabrics men enjoyed the feel of against their skins, satins, silks, and laces. Those not commonly used in men's clothing. Many guys preferred knickers, which had already been worn, to envelop their manhood and its smells in the possible omissions from the women in their lives. The thrill that guys who wore panties gained seemed to vary widely, so I needed to make my own observations. If the forbidden element was part of the thrill, I'd hate to spoil that for Rick by letting on what I knew. I settled on carrying out more detective work. A day or two later, the green knickers reappeared, freshly laundered, in my drawer underneath a few other pairs. I'd underestimated Rick. He could launder delicates after all. Next time I made plans to come home late, I deliberately added 30 minutes to the time I told him I'd be home. On my return, I parked further away, then walked quietly down the side toward my house, hoping to have a view through the French doors. And what a view it was. 
Rick was using the vacuum to clean the lounge. He closed the curtains at the front window, so my vantage point was at the back. He seemed to be enjoying parading around in a pair of my best knickers. His long, lean body and pale skin provided a stark backdrop to the black lace concoction he'd borrowed. The bikini shape cupped his cock and balls snugly, while his length was just about contained in the shadowy fabric. As he moved about using the vacuum cleaner on the floor and under the sofa, he bent and stretched exaggeratedly, wearing an expression of bliss. Next, he sat the vac to one side, stroking his lace-clad package before picking up the feather duster. Rick reached up high to clean above the pictures and along the curtain rail. He turned, and I was able to catch a side view. His swelling dick was straining against the knickers, tenting their dimensions obscenely. I'd never seen his cock look so big. I'd guessed he was enjoying the sensation of that delicate fabric, rubbing against him, dragging between his buttocks, and barely containing his engorged flesh. I swallowed hard, aware my nipples were doing a little tenting of their own. Their tips were sharp objects snagging on my stomach jersey top. Rick's package looked so big in contrast with his flimsy little panties that they were struggling to give him decent coverage. The happy trail which ran between his pecs downwards to disappear behind the bow on top of the front panels had me licking my lips. I focused on the tip of his cock, which had escaped its lacy confines, and how its purple head drooled a slick of salty precum. Rick looked down at himself, a familiar look of lust etched on his expression. Setting the duster aside, he settled down on the sofa, legs spread wide apart. I watched, binding my lip, as this fellow slid a hand sensuously down the front of his body before unveiling it against underneath the ribbon front of the panties to begin fondling himself. My own breathing became ragged as I witnessed his rapt concentration. My heart thumped clumsily while my pussy dampened. Seeing him use the light exploratory touches on himself that I had felt him use on me countless times awoke surges of lust, which seemed to echo his judging by the copious trail of precum with which he smeared and stroked himself. His eyes closed as he stroked and tugged himself to full expansion, and his teeth caught his bottom lip with concentration. After a while, he tilted at the waist to shimmy those knickers of mine down his hips and off, trailing them sensuously up his muscled legs and over his exposed cock and balls. He made several long strokes with his panties in his hands, tickling and teasing his manhood before rolling onto his side so that he could trail them over the orbs of his buttocks. It was both fascinating to watch and arousing. I began to press and rub my pussy over the top of my jeans. I felt the folds squench and thrum under my eager fingers. Rick had always been a caring and attentive lover. I could now see where some of his expertise came from. Foreplay seemed to move to the next level as Rick dropped my panties over his cock like a prey caught in a net. 
he grasped his hand around the girth and began to slowly, teasingly rub himself with them, encouraging his foreskin to shift up and down within his grip. It was such an erotic sight, witnessing Rick's sensual touch and evident pleasure, that I had to attend my own thrumming flesh. I unzipped my jeans and eased them down, allowing enough access for my hand to slip into my knickers. I began to stroke my slick flesh. My juices were hot, particularly in contrast with the chill which had crept into my fingers. In contrast, my lubricated folds felt welcome and silky. My pussy almost sucked at my digits, and my desire climbed. In the vista before me, Rick spread up his, sped up his strokes, grasping and twisting his foreskin a little with each pump of the hand that encompassed his engorged shaft. Its dome-tipped was purple and glossy, so I longed to suck it into my mouth like a lollipop. With his free hand, Rick began to cup and massage his balls, manipulating and careless, caressing the orbs in their sack. Wanting more sensation myself, I pinched and plucked at my breast through my clothes. My puckered, taut nipples responded with flares of sensation, an ache that was near to pain, but all pleasure. Rick's hand was moving in a frenzy now, smooth and pumping, his foreskin up and down, while an inner tension built, pulling his body taut like a bowstring bowstring. Equally frantic, I pressed and rubbed circles around my clit, pumping inside myself with greedy fingers. Rick and I began to climax simultaneously. While his body spasmed with joyful spurts of cum, mine throbbed, pressing insistently around my fingers. My eyes closed for a moment, lost in my own sensation. I completely forgot where I was. My own heat and wetness pulsed and I focused on sensations of pleasurable release. When I opened my eyes, I felt flushed with shame to have given myself over completely to the moment. I had been so lost in my pursuit of pleasure, I'd become oblivious to the fact that I was in the garden where my nosy neighbor could observe my lewd behavior. I dragged my eyes back to Rick, who was idly stroking and mopping up at the fluids. I giggled when I realized two pairs of my best panties were soaked through simultaneously. How could I be angry when we both eked out such satisfaction and from his illicit panty fetish? As I zipped up and rearranged my clothes, I realized that my challenge now was to nurture and encourage his predilection without disclosing that I knew. He needed to get thrills from more covert activities, because there was no denying that I found him watching him incredibly erotic. Voyeur with Benefits by Posey Churchgate <clears throat> And yes, I do think that was rather hot as well. No ghost, though. Eight out of ten, no ghost. Ghost would make it a nine out of ten. Very, very fun. You have to love it when a woman uh, talks about a man masturbating. Because it really is very sexual and very neurotic in a way that even, I'm just going to say it, even in gay uh, or from a male author, you don't get. When a woman writes a man... It needs a ghost to be a 10 out of 10. Uh, duh. 
A ghost in pottery. Absolutely. Community season one. 100%. Oh, my love. All right. All right. No, none of that. Come on. It's not even going to start. Thank you so much for saying I really want your touch. God damn it. All right. Get off. Get off. Absolutely not. Here we go. <clears throat> Unchained melody. More like uninterrupted earworm. Gets stuck in there and it just never gets the fuck out. <laughs> Uh, it's porn time, so it's time for some more porn. All right. <clears throat> for some time, I haven't been the most attentive husband. It's not like I've been cheating on my wife or anything immoral. I do spend a little too much time with the boys. Yes, I may drink a little too much. After all... Carol and I have been married for 15 years. Everything gets old after that many years. I do love her dearly, but it just has gotten boring. There isn't any fire now. I don't know what to do when we argue and she says it's me, and of course, I don't think so. Sometimes I think I love her the most when she is mad at me. At least then she tells me what she wants and expects. Carol has always been a good wife. She is very independent, smart. She has an excellent job. She knows what she wants out of life. In some ways, that were a little bit of where our problems started. She's a little bit driven, and I will be happy if I'm just having a good time. Carol always seems to have a plan for everything. I like to follow along. But back to how we got here. I was standing on the loading dock at work, staring at a stack of invoices and pallets of boxes trying to sense whose order was what. A truck driver was backing up to the dock, and the next thing I know, I'm laying under a ton of boxes. I'm beat to hell, two vertebrae with compressed fractures, a broken shoulder, and a few cracked, broken ribs. The next thing I know, I'm on disability. The company closed the warehouse before I was released to return to work, so I didn't try hard to get released to go back to work. I was kind of nice getting paid to not work. Being off work with an income can make you very lazy. I got to think of a full day was going fishing. Going fishing is defined as drinking in a boat with a couple of the guys, stopping for a beer on the way home and sitting in front of the TV until bedtime. After a delightful one weekend of fishing, Carol was pissed. I came home and found the doors locked and the locks changed. I was too drunk to drive, so I decided to sleep in my boat parked in the driveway. Carol let me sleep out there for four days before she decided to take my calls or to talk to me. I was like a lost puppy. I begged to stay. After hours of begging, Carol told me I would move into the spare room and there would be some new rules, and the first one was the drinking had to stop. 
I was surprised how cold and distant she was that first night. When I woke the next morning, there was a long list of chores on the list attached to the refrigerator. She wanted the kitchen and bathroom cleaned. Plus, there were other chores. Being a good husband, I was becoming... I did about half the items on the list half-assed. I was sitting on the couch with a beer when Carol came home from work. Well, the shit hit the fan, and Carol went ballistic. She packed up all my stuff and moved it out to the boat. Well, I started begging again. After an hour, Carol told me if I wanted to stay, I should go to the bathroom. I walked in and she, she walked and told me to drop my pants. I started to ask why. Her response was because if I wanted to stay, I needed to learn a lesson. She repeated to drop my pants and underwear. She bent me over the bathroom counter and took the hairbrush to my ass. After about 15 minutes of getting my ass whipped, she told me to go to the room. I bent to pick up my clothes, and she said to leave them. You have to earn the right to wear clothing. I walked red and bru- I walked my red and bruised ass to the spare room. The next morning, Carol woke me. She had the rest of my clothing in a box. She handed me the list of chores for the day. She left me for work after reminding me that she didn't want another night like last night. I worked a lot harder on the list today. I did find it very hard to work in the nude. I had to check the curtain before entering a room. I thought the house was perfect. Carol arrived home, and I was waiting by the door, ready to show off my handiwork. Carol was a lot more impressed with today's effort. I got five swats for an issue in the kitchen and a couple more for not closing the lid on the toilet. Carol spent some time that night showing me how to fix her favorite dinner, and then she had me set the table for one. I ate in the kitchen after I served her dinner. After I cleaned the kitchen, Carol invited me to the family room where she was watching TV. I was surprised to see that she was watching a softcore porn on Cinemax. She directed me to sit on the floor in front of her chair, facing her, not the TV. After about 15 minutes, she slipped her hand inside her robe. A few minutes later, she let her gown fall open. I sat there gazing at her incredible body after all these years. I made a couple of moves to offer my help, and she stopped me after all that I had done. The orgasm started to roll through her body. She came three or four times in the next half hour, and then she closed her robe and said goodnight. I had a raging heart on. I went to my room to masturbate, and I did several times. The next morning, Carol came into the room and asked if I enjoyed jacking off. I was quite embarrassed, but I answered yes. She said it was the last time I would masturbate without her permission first. Over the next couple of weeks, I got dried up and was going to do a good job of taking care of the house. On nights, I get an outstanding job with the day's chores. 
I was allowed to jack off in my room. If there was any problem, I was bent over the bathroom sink. I had earned the right to wear some clothing when Carol wasn't home, but she did require me to be nude when she was home. The clothing was nice. Since I was now taking over all the shopping, I became quite a good house husband. I know Carol was starting to whip me into shape as a household servant. By the end of the second week, we were getting into a little bit of a routine. Friday night, Carol had me sit down at the table with her for dinner. Sitting on the table was a typed document with the cover page that read Scott's Trial Period Contract. The next three paragraphs were a typed copy of the rules Carol expected me to live by if I wished to remain in her house. The short version of the contract, it was a 60-day trial that would be renegotiated at the end for a longer-term permanent agreement. Carol assumed control over the money, the house, and the cars. She had control over all sexual decisions with some limits. At most any time, I could decide I didn't like the agreement and could leave. I would be given a daily list to complete. I would be allowed an orgasm by masturbation if completed exceptionally well, and I would get an orgasm from her. I was expected to complete any sexual requirement she required without expectation of anything in return. I did all of the household chores. I was to maintain my body's appearance to her standards. I would be addressed as she would be addressed as Miss Carol and Ma'am. I would answer to Little Houseboy or Boy. After reading, I tried to negotiate some concessions on her part. Her response was goodbye. That was hard, so after reading the contract several more times, I decided to sign. After all, I do love her and love to see her happy, and the last two weeks weren't that bad now that I know that what she wants out of me. After I signed, Miss Carol gave me a big kiss for the first I'd had in two weeks. She then took my hand and led me to the bathroom. My first thought was it was going to use the brush on my ass. She seemed to love that. She laid a towel on the floor and had me put the towel she placed on my right foot on her left knee and make my legs into a giant four. Next, she used a wooden tool to spread my warm wax across my pubic area. It felt warm and relaxing. Next, she took a long strip of cloth and rubbed it into the wax. I'm not sure how you jump lying on your back, but, well, in a few more minutes. Thirty minutes later, and I would have a new look, and I was smooth as a baby's But I was informed the hair below my chin would be removed. It took several days before I got all the hair removed. I can say the second time isn't as bad. I was used to getting naked in front of killed old times, but now I felt really exposed. The rest of that night, Carol watched TV, and I laid with my head between her thighs to bring her to one orgasm after another for hours. With a kiss on the cheek, she sent me to bed with instructions to masturbate myself twice for being such a good boy. As the days rolled by, Carol was taking more control of what I did. Often I wouldn't finish her list until a minute before she got home. Then came the night I took a huge mistake. Carol walked in looking a little pissed that the house and yard looked perfect. So I hoped she had just had a bad day. How many times a day do you masturbate without my permission? 
She asked as I was serving her dinner. I knew I had always cleaned up the mess. There was no way she knew that I did it every afternoon. So I boldly said, None. So that's your story. I could tell from her look that she knew something I didn't, but I was too afraid to change my story. Yes, ma'am. I said with just a little bit less assuredness in my voice, she handed me a computer disc. She told me to put it in the disc player on the TV. The first scene was me masturbating in the bathroom. The second was me in the spare room. I looked up and dawn. I could see the little cameras in almost every corner. Why hadn't I noticed them before? She stopped the recording and softly asked, So how many times a day do you masturbate without my permission? I quickly responded with, I'm sorry, Miss Carroll, it won't happen again. I got on my knees and begged. I knew I was in trouble. I wasn't sure how much. She looked coldly at me and repeated, So how many times a day do you masturbate without my permission? Two, three days, three, three times a day, Miss Carroll. I stuttered out. I knew my answer was wrong and that the truth would help. And the day before, twice, Miss Carol. And to my surprise, she drops the subject and finishes dinner. I was very attentive during dinner, hoping to minimize any punishment with a little good behavior. After I finished cleaning up after dinner, Miss Carol instructed me to see the spare room. She told me to hold out my right hand. After ten whacks with the bamboo cane, I was begging and promised it would never happen again. She handed me a cold can, and I wrapped my sore, aching my hand around the coolness. She took the can after a few seconds and told, took me to put my hand out again. After ten more whacks, she handed me the can back, and it fell to the ground. I could not squeeze it hard enough to hold the can. She smiled. Now I'm sure it won't happen again. She reached back into her bag. I was almost afraid to look, but I watched as she brought out a shiny chrome thing. It had a curved tube which she slid my penis into and then around my scrotum, and it snapped shut with what looked to be half a pair of handcuffs. Now I know it won't happen again, she said again with a smile. I started to protest, but was reminded that the orgasm control was her responsibility. I asked how long I needed to wear chastity control. She shrugged and said, as long as it takes. From the very day I signed up for the trial period control, more and more adult toys and BDSM device started showing up at the house. I spent time Quite a bit of it in the garage, building bondage furniture Miss Carol had seen online. Almost every day, Miss Carol tried something else out on me. Something she seemed to enjoy. Others she just used once. I don't think I'd prefer anyone over another, but I was sure not to cross the line on my rules because there were a lot of items, and I didn't want to try her if she were mad. About a month into the trial period, one Friday night, Miss Carol was very wound up. I could tell that she was quite horny. After dinner, Miss Carol looked at me and said, I need a real cock tonight. Someone who can fuck my brains out. I need a man to blow my mind. 
Hoping she was referring to me, I moved to her and hugged her. She rubbed my head and said, I'm glad you understand. She walked me to the spare room, sat me on the bed, and cuffed my hands behind my back. My mind started to wonder what was want- what she wanted. Next, she put my head in the harness that held a ball gag on my mouth. I disliked the ball gag because it made it impossible to talk, and the head harness is even more frustrating because the two leather straps that cross my face go right over my eyes. It's not that I can't see, it's that I can only see bits and pieces of what's happening. You can get a general sense of what's going on, but not really know what's happening. I started to realize I wasn't going to be the man who got to fuck Mrs. Carroll's out. Carol's brain out. She then cuffed my ankles together with a short chain between them. This was the most bondage gear she had ever used on me. There I sat, nude, bound from head to toe. Miss Carol kissed my forehead and said, sit tight. She may have a surprise for me later. After some time in the bath, I saw Miss Carol leave in scorching black dress and very high heels. I, it was hard to tell what else she was wearing, but I could see that she was hot. I tried lying down, but sitting up was more comfortable. The clock didn't seem to move. I heard Miss Carol and someone else come, but the stopping at the highway outside, <clears throat> outside the spare room where I was sitting. It's just how it's written, guys. Sorry. <clears throat> They were laughing. They went into Miss Carroll's room, and from the noise Miss Carroll was making, she was what she wanted. They were in there for almost two hours when the intercom next to my bed buzzed. Miss Carroll asked, Can I get my sweet houseboy to come in here? I knew it wasn't a question, but a command. I hobbled myself into the bedroom between the dim lights and the head harness. I couldn't see much, but I could tell they were both lying on the bed and Miss Carroll was laying on his arm. She removed my ball gag and directed me to his side of the bed. I was told to clean up the mess on his cock and balls. I was a little slow reacting, but I moved faster when I felt Miss Carroll's hand slap the side of my leg. I knelt on the side of the bed. And that was my first look I got as his cock. It was huge, much larger than I am, larger soft than I am hard. I'd never seen anything like it in real life. I have seen a few porn movies, and I started licking the cum and juice out of the man's crotch in the area around the huge cock. After a few licks to clean the cum, Miss Carol picked it up, and put it in my mouth. The soft monster filled my mouth, and he ran his finger up the back of his cock, pushing the leftover cum right into my mouth. He then pushed my head down to clean his balls and the crack of his ass. After about ten minutes, Miss Carroll said that he looked good, and I needed to move over and clean her. There was a mixture of both their juices, but the one I taste the most was his come. When I finished, Miss Carol instructed me 
to wait in the corner facing the other way. I was happy to have to not watch. I could hear them kissing and making out again. Miss Carroll called me to the bed and instructed me to start sucking the man's huge cock. I didn't like it. I like women to suck me. As I got harder, less and less fit into my mouth, Miss Carroll committed to the man. It's helpful to have a helper. He had to me move Miss Carroll's pussy and start sucking on her. The stranger agreed a helper was useful. After I got them both all hot and bothered, I was set to the corner, and he fucked her again and again. After a final cleanup, Miss Carroll retracted the ball gag and set me up to the spare room. A little later, I heard Miss Carroll walk him to the door. On her way back to bed, she stopped by the extra room to cover me up. It's hard to adjust your covers when your hands are behind your back. I spent the night bound and gagged in the spare room. The next day, I went to the door, and it was locked from the outside. I could hear Miss Carroll fixing a breakfast and talking to her friends. The only thing she could talk about was what an incredible fuck the man was. She told all her girlfriends. I started to wonder what her friends knew about me. I usually stay in the spare room when Miss Carroll's friend was over. When I was not in the spare room, I did wear clothing. I just stayed quietly in the background. Then I heard the word I feared most. One of her girlfriends gasped. You made him suck the other guy's cock? You've got him under that much control? Miss Carroll's reply was, Why, of course. I'm training him to be a good little slave boy. Well, that answered my questions about what the neighbors and friends knew about what was happening. After Miss Carroll's girlfriends left, she came into my room. You need some work on how to treat a guest in this house, don't you? We spent the next couple of hours teaching me how to respect a guest. My ass was red for the next couple of days. I understood my role when Miss Carroll had a house guest over. About a week later, Miss Carroll gave me another chance to be respectful to one of her guests. I was very well behaved, and the guest was well cared for. The Unattentive Husband Part 1 by John Nutt Tall. John Nutt Tall on Literotica. Uh, some writing issues there. So, it was very interesting. It's not everybody's kink, and I do hope you enjoyed it. Let's do another. Okay. <clears throat> She leans into my hand, and her lips part the slightest bit. I crack. I slam my mouth to hers. I don't take my time. I don't ease into it. My lips crush hers, and I kiss her, as if it's all I've wanted to do since the first time I saw her slide out from under a car in my garage. Since she sauntered up to me to show weeks ago, since that night in the tub, I kiss her as if I've suffered without knowing her. She kisses me back the same way. We aren't gentle. We aren't slow. We touch with fire and anger. She opens her mouth, and I sweep my tongue across hers, groaning as I devour her taste. She's fresh and cinnamony. 
and it strikes me that she's brushed her teeth in the restrooms. The fact that I don't know if she did it for me or wherever she's going next makes me crush her lips harder. I grab her face, clasping her cheeks roughly as I back down, as I back her up to the challenger and shove her against the hood. Her hands slide up my chest and lust licks my veins. She travels higher, roping her fingers in my hair and then tugging on the strands to bring my mouth even closer to hers. Such a hungry little thing. I consume her mouth, getting drunk on her cinnamon taste, craving more of it. Jamming my thigh against hers, I push her legs open, and then I stop, my breath coming in harsh puffs. I'm not thinking about what you're doing tonight. I hiss as I grip her hips and hike her onto the hood. I'm not thinking about what you're doing either. She fires back with her smart mouth. Those lips are no longer glossy. The bruised and swollen. Good. I want to mark her. I want her to smell like me. I want her to wear evidence of this moment all over her body. I drag my fingers through her hair, yanking it. She emits a needy gasp. So fucking pretty. I growl as I bring my mouth down on that delicious neck. I lick the column of her throat so hard, I'm sure there will be a sandpaper trail of stubble on her delicate skin. As she doesn't seem to mind at all, she moans as I bring my mouth down on the hollow of her throat. I lick her there. Frantically, she opens her legs wider and if she's trying to draw me in to her V. Heeding her call, I shove my body against hers, my heart on rigid against her thigh. She draws a sharp breath as I press into her. I don't care what you're doing at the Hudson, I say, as I bring my teeth to her neck and bite. A yelp rings out, but she wraps her legs tighter around me. I grind into her, letting her know how much I want to fuck her, letting her know how hard she makes me. I bet she's so fucking wet. Whatever grasp I had on common sense unravels in each rough press of my mouth to her neck. I bite and I suck and I devour her neck, keeping her hair wrapped tightly in my fist. I grab her chin roughly in my hand and meet her eyes. They're dazed, glossy. She's panting. You're fucking driving me crazy. I mutter, and you're nothing but a cruel bastard. She says, narrowing her eyes as she scrapes at my hair again with her fingers, the lion in her is fierce tonight. She jerks my head back and then pushes my face down, down, right between her tits. So damn cruel. I yank up her t-shirt and bury my face in the most wonderful place in the universe, Jesus Christ. Her tits are heaven. 
I shove the cup of her black lace bra to the side, of course she wears black, and bring my teeth down on, my, on her nipple. She cries out again. This nipple drove me insane in the tub. She freezes. Is that why you kicked her out? I raise my face and lock eyes with her. She looks so fucking desperate right now. I couldn't take it. You moved in the tub, and I saw it. I had to fight off every instinct to bind it. Do it now, she urges. Before even she says the last word, my mouth is wrapped around her, and she is fucking delicious, as I imagined. I moan with her in my mouth, my dick growing impossibly harder as I drag that tight peak between my teeth. I suck as she curls her hands around my skull. I come up for air. Her brown irises are wild now, and she looks like an animal. You were such a jerk that night. She drags her hands over my t-shirt, lingering on my pecs. You need to take this off now for being such a complete ass. I grip the back of my shirt, yanking it off. Her mouth falls open in the sexiest expression I've ever seen. You're so... She doesn't finish the thought. She runs her fingers over my bare skin, exploring my pecs, my abs, my arms. Her nails travel along my bicep, tracing the outline of the bands there, then the hawk of my shoulder. When she returns to my chest, she draws the Celtic tattoo on my right peck. My skin sizzles in the wake of her touch. Her fingers light me up. Nascent electricity everywhere. I tug at the waistband of her jeans. These are really fucking inconvenient. Why? Her voice is feathery. I bring my mouth to her ear, nip the earlobe, and whisper, Because I'm going to fuck you. Right now. I'm going to fuck you and make you come hard, and you need to take off these stupid jeans. I back up and rustle around in my back pocket for my wallet. I flip it open and grab a condom. She gives me her yes in her busy hands. They unsnap the top button of her jeans. Then she unzips and shimmies them down her ass. Wait, I say as I put the condom on the yellow hood. Why? Grab my shirt. Sit on it. I slide the cotton under her ass. Then I help her, jerking one jig leg down to her boot. Fucking combat boots, I mutter as I regard the long string of laces on her shoes. It. They have a zipper. She reaches and pulls the zipper down one side. I tug off the boot, tossing it on the floor. Then... Pulled off the jean leg only. No patience for both. She slides her black panties down that leg. I can't fucking breathe for a second. She's so fucking wet and beautiful. Jesus Christ, her pussy is divine. Pink and slick and utterly fucking enticing. Like the most delicious dessert Ever. I can't resist. I have to eat dessert. First, I scoop my hands under her thighs, spreading them, and I bring my face between her legs. Oh, oh 
God, Max. She moans as I slide my tongue down her wetness. Her hands grip my head. She digs her nails in, and I love it. One more lick up and up, and then I suck on that delicious rise of her clit. It's hard and soaked, and she jerks against me as I feast on it. A long, low moan comes in from her mouth. It's my name. And then she purrs. Do it again. I planned to fuck her hard and furiously. I swear I did. I had no intention to take a time out to eat her. But her pussy is too fucking wonderful to deny. I flick my tongue against her clit, and she jerks against me again. She pulls my hair hard, yanking me even closer. This is what you could have had that night in the tub, she tells me. I break contact for just one second to meet her hot gaze, processing the enormity of what she just said. She wanted me that night. It's what I had when I jerked off after you. Let's see if you taste as good as you did in my filthy imagination. I return to her and drag my tongue down, lapping up all this decadent wetness as I go. A long, feral noise comes from her mouth. It sounds like pleasure. Ordinarily, I tease her, make her beg, but for all intents and purposes, she is already. Besides, just this second, I have no tolerance for games. Not hers, not my own. All I want now is to have her. I lick my way back to her pussy to her clit, sucking on that little hard diamond of pleasure until she bucks against my mouth. She chants my name. She grips my hair. She rocks against me. My fingers tighten against my skull. And then she fucks my face on the hood of my car until she comes like a rock star in under two minutes. My name has never sounded so good as it does when Henley Rose Marlowe falls apart on my mouth. Her breathing is wild and her chest is heaving and she's absolutely glowing from her orgasm. I was wrong when I imagined how good you taste. I am nothing but pride and desire as I straighten, unzip my jeans, and take out my cock. You taste even better. I grab the condom and roll it on as she comes down from her high. And you come fast, tiger. Guess you like what I did to you. She opens her eyes only to narrow them at me. It's been a while. That's all. I wriggle my eyebrows as I pinch the tip of the condom. Her eyes drift down to my dick. They widen. She murmurs, oh God, as she stares at my cock. Like what you see? That's a lot of inches. How many? I shake my head and put my finger against her lip. Don't guess. I want you to feel how many. Then see how fucking long it takes you to come again. She sneers, and I sink into her. And there's more sneering, not from her, not from me, because holy fuck. 
I still myself when I'm all the way inside her. Jesus, I mutter, you feel so fucking good. So do you. She's out of this world. She's warm and tight, and her pussy fucking welcomes me. She's so goddamn aroused already that I have no problem filling her all the way. She grips my shoulders, holding on as she rocks her pelvis up on my conch. I grab her chin and ease back out. I drive into her again, and a sharp intake of air is her response. She shuts her eyes and bites her lip. I slide back out inch by inch, suggest the tip is in her. I rock back into her, filling her to the hilt and letting a jolt of heat rocket over my skin. Her eyelids flutter closed. I grab her hips and angle her up so that my cock slides against her clit, and I fuck her with long, deep strokes that seem to drive her wild. She can't answer me. She can only moan and groan. She lets out the longest, sexiest sound. Oh, God. I slide out so I'm barely in her at all, and she shakes. Say it. Say it the way when I kissed you. I command as I rub circles over her clit. A tremble spreads over her body, and watching it overtakes her from her chest down to her belly is breathtaking. She's beautiful and sexy and trying so hard not to give in to everything she feels. I swivel my hips and pound into her. Your mouth, she shouts at last. Oh, God, it was your mouth. The way you kiss me is how I want to be kissed. She throws her head back, exposing her beautiful neck. I smother her skin in kisses as I fuck her hard, rub her clit, and bring her to the brink. Her eyelids squeeze, and she cries out, Oh God, over and over again. She's close again. She's chasing pleasure, and I want her to catch it. I really fucking do. I freeze with my cock buried deep inside her, demand that she tell me how much that she wants me. She whimpers. I say that I will make her come, and she cries out in frustration, her fist smashing my chest. I stare into her brown irises, demand that she says that she wants me, and something in her bursts free. She loops her hands around my neck. She says that she wants me. She wants me so much, and I give it to her, fucking her through her next orgasm as she cries out in bliss. She's limp. Fucked within an inch of her life, but I'm not done. I tug her off the car, pull out, and spin her around. Hands on the hood, I say, and she listens, flattening her back and spreading her palms across all the yellow metal. She lays her cheek on the challenger and looks behind me with a dazed, lust-filled gaze. I run a hand down one bare cheek and then shove into a tight, wet pussy once more, and then we fuck it out. All this anger, all this frustration, all this almost hate. I fuck her until she screams my name again, and she comes. I grip her hair and yank it hard. There's nothing left but white-hot desire. I've never felt it like this before. Not for this time. Not like this. Not with this intensity. I pump into her, gripping her hips, until it's my turn. I groan as an orgasm barrels down my spine, speeds through my body, and seizes me. 
It takes me over, and it's a thousand times better than the solo one against the door. Hell, it's a million times better than I imagined. Then it's more. When I collapse on her, and she turns her face to mine, and dusts my cheek with a soft, tender kiss, I'm still groaning with pleasure, but I manage a smile, too. I gently flip her over, pull her against my bare chest, and softly kiss her lovely, swollen lips. <sighs> Joyride by Lorne Bakley. And this is where you tip. This is where you tip. This is where you tip. And yes, that was a cold read. <laughs> Thank you. What a, what a big compliment. When somebody goes, is that a cold read? Always a compliment. Always a compliment. I'm sure someone's eventually going to turn around me uh, eventually, and some woman's going to be all icy. She's going to be between 50 and 55, and she's going to be just gorgeous. She's going to be wispy thin. And she's like, I'll, I'll stumble on something, and she'll be like, so was that a cold read? I'll be like, oh, it hurts. But uh, until that day happens, every time somebody asks, I think. It's actually just a lovely, lovely compliment. Thank you so much for it. <laughs> We've got one piece of porn left, and that's going to be the show for today. Yeah? I hope everyone's had a good time. This is it, the last piece of smut. Thank you to all the new girls who came out. Thank you to everybody who requested. Thank you to everybody who tipped. Thank you to everybody who just shows up, talks. A uh, lot of new girls out tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, all the girls who are not new girls and were just nice in their new girls, thank you so much. You were so warm and welcoming today. It was really nice watching you guys. It, it uh, does a man proud that he's got a fandom and a fan base like you all. So thank you so much. Let's get into this last story after I just got to read it for a second because it's got a dialogue tag at the start and I don't know who's saying it. I'm still reading because the first paragraph is pretty complicated. <laughs> well, let's just try. Yeah, this is this is gonna get this is gonna get interesting quick. <clears throat> Good night. I said, air kissing Manda's alabaster cheek. We'll see you soon. She nodded and moved across to embrace my husband Tom, leaving me face to face with her husband. Justin had no such restraints of lipstick and propriety and swept me up into his embrace. Hugging Justin was like being wrapped in a dog blanket. Warm, comforting, slightly abrasive, and smelling of the outdoors. Good night, darling, he said, and his nose nuzzled my cheek. The brazen thrust of his pelvis imprinted itself against my belly. His hand squeezed my ass briefly, withdrawing before I could shift it away. Justin is such a tease. Tom moved back to my side and I took his hand. With a final wave to Justin and Amanda, we walked to our car. As he slid into the driver's seat, I saw the tightness of denim over his groin, could see how his fat cock was erect and pointing to the right, pointing at me. Amanda got you? 
I teased. He didn't answer for a second, and I shot a look at his face. Even in the darkness, I could see his rosy glow. Tom? His hand reached out and grasped mine. Sorry, he said. I was a bit surprised. Amanda squeezed my cock as she hugged me. I'm not sure if it was deliberate. Maybe she meant to grasp my hip. I was silent, pondering what to say. I opted for light-hearted. Well, Justin grabs my ass, so I guess that makes us even. Tom smiled. They're a pair of flirts. We're matched. Our little boat had juddered, realigned its course, and pointed its prow to the open water again. <laughs> they love eating out, trail running, French movies. I agreed. Like us. Guess that's why we're friends with them. We'd reached home. In the lounge, Tom turned to me. Drink or straight to bed? His eyebrows waggled and the invitation and his hand curved around my ass, much as Justin's hand had done earlier. My body hummed with his suggestion. In response, I squeezed his cock through his pants. He was still half-hard. Definitely bad. I said. He sighed and pushed himself into my hand. I rubbed my palm along his shape, wondering briefly if this was what Manda had done. Had it been deliberate? I didn't know. But now she knew what my husband's cock felt like. She had that knowledge in her head. She thought made me catch my breath and squeeze a little harder. Is this what Manda did? I purred. Is this how she touched you? He started a little guilty and jumped. So you were thinking about her. I thought so. V. It's not like that. I knew that already, and I sighed and relaxed into the curve of his body, my hand still maintaining its deliberate caress. It's the way that they are, Manda and Justin. Manda touched your cock. Justin pushed himself against me when he hugs. My body thrilled in the remembrance of the imprint of his cock against my belly. Tom's voice was low. Tell me what he does. We hug, and I feel the tickle of his hair, soft and thick. He cups my ass and pushes himself into me, just for a moment, never too long. Wouldn't you like it to be longer? Have you ever wondered if he's bigger than me, thicker than me? Maybe wonder what he's like in bed. Even as Tom's words wove a suggestive spell of imagery, he was maneuvering me, a step, a shuffle at a time, to the bedroom. His hands roamed my body, mapping the familiar pathways, the curve of neck and shoulders, slope of breast, indent of waist, and apex of thighs. He wouldn't be you, I said simply, truthfully. So I wouldn't want him. But you can wonder. His soft voice continued, It's allowed. I wonder about Manda, but I'd never. I stop his words with a finger to the lips. I know. But we can pretend. I felt his lips curve against my finger. 
The four of us kiss tonight, but we know it's different. I continued. They're at our door. We've had coffee, brandy, definitely too much wine. Justin kisses my cheek, but I turn my head, and his lips catch mine. He freezes. I stop, too, and then relax, his lips against mine. I start to apologize when my mouth opens. He takes advantage, and we're kissing, really kissing. He's delicious, his lips mobile and leisurely, and his tongue sweeps around my mouth. When I pause for breath, Tom picked up without hesitation. I glance over, and I see Justin kissing you. Amanda's looking, too, and we turn to each other. There's a glint in her eyes, and I know that whatever I do will not be unwelcome. Rather than kiss her, I draw her back into the house and start undoing the buttons on her prim little blouse, slowly, very slowly, one at a time. Her breath hitches, and she's watching my fingers manipulate those silly little buttons. I can see her bent blonde hand. I reach the bottom and pull her blouse open, my fingers brushing her stomach. Tom's fingers were starting their own explanation underneath my shirt, to and fro, a sensual finger crawl. My bed bumped the back of my knees as we continued our slow procession into the bedroom, and I sat down heavily, allowing my body to fall back, arms over my head. Justin and I are inside the door as well, and when it closes, the restraints fall away. He grabs my ass, pulls me onto him, and pushes a thigh between mine and grinds me down onto him. His big hands anchor me in place, so his thighs move slowly between my legs. There's no delicacy here. The raw need is taking over. I never realized. Justin is so forceful. Tom's fingers pull at my skirt. The zipper gave a rush underneath his grasp. I wriggled and let him pull the material away from my body. Amanda's wearing a little peach-colored froth of lace. Tom continued. It's frames, her breasts. It pushes them up. I reach behind and unsnap it, and it falls away, and she's naked to the waist. I'm still clothed, but she doesn't seem to care. She goes for her goal, and her fingers are all over the front of my pants. She's feeling the shape of my cock, pressing up and down, its length through the material. I'm hard right now, and I just want to be inside her, but I wait as there's more of her delicious little package to unwrap. Tom reared above me on the bed, straddling my legs, my hand pressed the front of his jeans, running my fingers up and down his length, his intimidation and fantasy. Like this, I murmur. Is this how she's doing it? Yeah. Tom's body was tense. I could feel his drum-tight stomach, taut with need. Justin's got me to the couch. I continued, my eyes closed to better envision the scene. I sit on the edge, spread my legs, pulling him down until he kneels on the floor between my thighs. I grab his hair and pull his face where I want it. He reaches underneath my skirt and hooks his fingers into the edge of my panties. 
His fingers are thick and stubby, but I can't wait to feel them inside me. He tugs, and my panties give way. He tosses them aside and moves closer, pressing my legs apart with his hands. I must be completely exposed to him, and I'm wet, very wet. I open my eyes in time to see Tom staring at me, an avid look on his face. His fingers moved inside my panties, curling around, seeking. You're wet now, he murmured and slipped a finger inside me. Does Justin do this? He wants to taste me, I continued, and I want that more than anything. So I pull his face toward me. He nuzzles in, and I feel his long, silky hair brush my inner thighs. His tongue is long and agile, and it sweeps around my lips, finding my clit, circling. Then he sets his lips there and sucks, and I nearly go into orbit. Tom slips another finger inside me. It was harder now to concentrate on the fantasy in my head, the words blended with the reality of my husband's fingers and my cunt. The familiar surrounds of the bedroom. What are you doing to Manda? I prompted. His answers were swift enough that I knew the images had been coursing through his head. Her panties are gone. I don't care how. Now she's naked, apart from her high heels. She's a tease, so she steps away, arches her back, and pushes her hands through her hair so that her tits jut forward. She's less substantial, naked than I thought. There's a fineness to her, as if she would break if I pounded her too hard. I shed my own clothes, and we come together in a crash of flesh, and we're all over each other. My mouth is on her nipple. Her breaths are so small, I can nearly get all of one into one mouth. My fingers are running over the fine blonde hairs of her pussy, stroking back and forth occasionally dipping past her lips to feel inside. And she's not passive. She's wanking me with firm strokes until I'm hot and hard in her hand. Abruptly, she drops to her knees and takes me in her mouth. She peeps up at me, and God, I nearly come there and then. Her hair is disheveled, and it hangs over her face, so different from her normal, immaculate style. My mouth bulges in a kiss, and then hers breaks to go around my cock. I thrust it gently into her mouth, seeing as she wraps it around my thickness. It's all hot and wet, and I'm so hard and horny that it's nearly at the end. Justin's mouth is devilishly talented, and I know that I'm going to come. I can feel it in the building. It's low in my belly, spiraling down. I'm going to be big, and Justin knows it. <sighs> my breath is caught, swept from my fantasy scenario back to the present of my husband and his big body that I love so much. Tom, fuck me now. His eyes glisten. Who do you want? Fuck you, Tom or Justin. Tom, you, please. 
He stopped my words with a kiss, my body tethered on the brink of orgasm, tightly wound from my words in Tom's fingers. He didn't stop to undress. He simply unzipped himself and brought out his cock and moved on top of me as I wrapped my legs around his hips. He bore down, I tilted up, and he slid home inside me where he belongs. His hips moved in a push, mine answered, rising up to meet his, his body, gripping his stiff shaft, feeling those beloved contours of cockhead and shaft. My head was full of Justin and Tom, but my body was full of only Tom. He pressed down on me, and his face was buried in my hair. His body was incandescent, skin burning with the friction and heat and the rasp of denim on inner thighs. I knew he was close from the tension in his body. My fingers slid around his ass to stroke his balls, riding high and tight to his body. He fucked me forcefully, and I gave myself over to the moment. Tom in my body, Justin in my head, the comfort of our bedroom. The ripples started building out from the core until I came in a rush, great gulping spasms of pleasure. Dimly, I heard Tom's roar of pleasure as his cock jerked inside me. We lay there in the dimness, bodies intertwined, his cock softening and spent inside me, his seed wet and sticky coated my thighs. Tom nuzzled my hair. We never finished our scenario. We didn't, I agreed. Imagine if we fucked them. I turned and kissed his neck. Yes, just imagine. Dinner for Four by Shy Anne Blue and it was a lovely, lovely dinner engagement as well. Guys, that is The Tip Show. It's been a rare and wonderful Saturday show. One last link to The Tip Jar just for anybody who thinks that I earned it at the end there. I had a wonderful time. Anybody who came out early, you basically got two and a half hours of me. But it was a pretty long show, even if you just came out on time. So I, 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 I enjoyed it. Four full porn pieces, and I was just struggling right on through. I sounded great. You don't have to tell me because I sounded amazing. But it really was great to see all of you guys come out, have all of you guys do such a good time. The show is not possible without you. It's only a show because of you guys. So thank you so much for making it possible. I, I say it often that Friday nights are the most fun night and the night that I look forward to the most in the week. I love doing these shows. I love you guys coming out. Thank you so much for it. Guys, that's the tip show. Thank you so very, 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 very much because it is a Saturday show. I do got to run. I do got stuff to do. So I am going to stop the recording there. <laughs>